0: Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch Penninger and I'm delighted to be bringing you the start of the National Road Series um, season. And it's going to be a good one, hopefully, up at Grafton to Inverell with the men going over the first of the classics um, and the only classic this year, uh, unfortunately, with the fixing around of the calendar. So we're not going to be getting a Melbourne to this year. But um, we're going to jump straight into it and talk with Marcus Cooley of St. George Continental who's back again and uh, he's a bit sleepy today after going out for a few rides um, over the weekend. But uh, Marcus, how you doing?
1: Hey Jamie, it's uh, good, good to be back. Yeah, I've been uh, getting in some last, uh, last minute preparation for the Grafton next weekend. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how uh, the 2018 uh, NRS season uh, will kick off.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's technically the start of the, the inverted, um, inverted quotes, classics season, uh, where we're splitting up between classics and tours, um, and it will be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, currently it's just Grafton by itself, but it, it does mean a bit of a segmentation of the season. I mean, ideally we're going to have like three to five races in this period. Do you think that will work out as a format, Marcus?
1: In in theory, it will work out, but in practice, will we get a third classic um, at, at, in this sort of climate? And unfortunately, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it.
0: Um, there's been some talk of Bendigo-Castlemaine coming on board as a as a race, Bendigo-Castlemaine-Bendigo, um, and obviously Bendigo's got a strong cycling community, so I'd love to see a race around there, that'd be great, but... Um, yeah, and maybe Blaney the Bathurst, though that that had its own problems this year uh, in the final of the elite elite's men's race. Um, you weren't there, were you, Marcus? But um, did you did you hear what went on? Uh,
1: no, I w- I was at uh, Blaney the Bathurst. Um, unfortunately, I came off uh, about an hour into the race. But yeah, yeah, I got to watch all the chaos unfold from uh, the the Oliver's team car and. Um, yeah, it certainly was a bit chaotic with the uh, barriers set up across uh, the road with about 2 k to go. Um, but um, I'm not sure if we'll see that move into the NRS uh, calendar n- n- s- that soon, but it would probably be a, n- a nice addition if they extended the race by 40km uh, or so.
0: Yeah, well, it's, got, it's certainly got a, a sort of festival feel to it because they've got other events around it, and I think in principle it's the sort of event where we could look to add that to the NRS calendar and probably something that they're looking at in the future. Anyway, we shall move on to discussing the Grafton um, more specifically. But first, a word from our sponsors. And by word from our sponsors, I mean it's me talking. Of course, we are sponsored by Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel, who make great fitting pro-level cycling kit uh, made with coffee grounds. So that's eco-friendly. And for every kit that's purchased, five trees are are planted in... Uh, areas of the globe that need to be reforested let's jump into Grafton to Inverell okay we are back and talking Grafton to Inverell it's a race which has remained very similar in the past few years Uh, it's 228 kilometers running east to west from Grafton to Inverell um, ro- rolls out from Inverell in the early morning. I think it's normally about a 7.30, o'clock start, and pretty frosty at the start quite often, and it takes a while to get into the race, but once you get over some of those early rollers, it's straight on to uh, the climb up Gibraltar Range there, which is, a, I don't know, beast of a climb is probably not the right word, but it's bloody long. It's longer than most other climbs you'll find in Australia, and it just keeps on going up and up and up. Uh, once there, it's kind of a plateau at the top, uh, rolls down a bit, and then it continues rolling a bit into the finish. A few short, sharp climbs there with Wire Gully, um, in with about thirty-four kilometers to go, I think it is. And then there's V2. They've added um, in the last two editions, which has seen a shorter, a sort of sharp little rise there with about five k's to go, and then it's just a downhill run to the line. For so you, experienced the course last year. I mean, what are the crucial points of it?
1: obviously the the main crucial point's going to be the the gibraltar range but uh from from there on uh like it's a pretty dead road and um depending on the the weather conditions like uh, you you did mention wire gully but it's it's more about how how the how the the race unfolds rather than a particular point where where it's it's going to most definitely be decisive um it, it depends where people are, are planning on making a move um I'm not sure there's going to be a, a break with a substantial gap at, at the top of the climb or even if one will get away before then. So I think uh, the race really will begin this year once once we've we've made it over the climb.
0: Happened a number of different ways in recent years. I mean, it can be that early break um, if it's got the right composition. Well, namely, if it's got along riders in there and enough for the other teams that, you know, there's not enough of a strong presence on the front to chase it down. Or it can come down to you know, a select group who have formed over the top of Gibraltar, maybe a few more managed to fight their way back on over the top and then it's fought out from there, which we saw last year with um Neil Vanderploek ending up taking taking the win um from from that situation. So I mean it can go so many different ways, which is why it's quite a you know, compelling race. Looking at the teams this year, I mean, who do you think are gonna be the strong teams that are dictating the race pace?
1: Uh you obviously can't look past uh uh Ben along Swiss Wellness. I don't think they've got a the strongest team that they've had uh this year. Um but uh aside from them I think Brahak will be uh the other the other strong team uh to watch out for so those will probably be the the main two.
0: St George they've got a, a strong roster. I mean uh they've probably got you know, a number of guys who can potentially win the race and strong support riders outside that. so I'd be surprised if they didn't play a big role in in determining how the race... Yeah, so let's just count a few of those names there. I mean, if we're talking Ben Long, we're talking Cam Bailey, Sam Crome, Nathan Elliott, who was second here two years ago. I think Jacopo, maybe. I mean, if it comes down to a sort of sprinty finish. Uh, Alex Porter's been ripping it up recently. And, you know, Tristan Warden, Alistair Christie-Johnson, probably not for the win, but they're going to be important riders.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. They, they, As always, they've got... Three, three or four riders that, that could win the race outright, but it, it depends um, who they go in with as, as, as their leader, if they wanted to control the race or if they want to uh, try and put someone up the road and uh, let the race come, come to them later on.
0: Yeah, so, I don't know, maybe Sam Crone would be another a good win for him. He's been on a real rip tear of a season for them so far, and it wouldn't be too surprising to see him back up his Herald Sun win and his good performance in Lancashire as well, with another good performance here at, at Grafton. Moving on to Drapak, who you mentioned, uh, they've got names like Sasha Bondarenko-Edwards, uh, Jesse Feetonby, uh, Oliver Kent-Spark, of course, won Melbourne to Warnable a few years back, uh, Liam McGinnis, Cyrus Monk, um, Cyrus is probably going to be the leader out of that, out of that team uh, who's obviously he's been doing well in Grafton in the past. Um he's run third here before.
1: Yeah, he ran third in um 2015 when he was a, a first year under 23, which is pretty shocked he's not going to be their main their main rider and um I think uh Liam McGuinness will be be up there as well. I would say those two are going to be the outright um depending on um how uh, how fit uh, Ollie Kent Spark is in comparison to his uh former
0: years yeah and interesting to see how Sasha Bondarenko Edwards goes as well he's a sort of punchy rider I mean I'd like to see him go go well over these longer distances but probably need to prove it first before we back him in for favoritism and the other big team your, your guys this is where we get the inside scoop um, you tell us exactly what numbers everyone's putting out and uh, so Marcus what what beans can you spill
1: I think we were gonna try and just slip under the radar. So if you see a pink jersey going up the road, no, i um, I think we we do we will have a a pretty good squad for for this race. I think we've got a few guys that can win the race. Um, uh, obviously, Ben Dybbel's been going super well uh, recently, coming up third on GC at uh, Tour de Langkawi and and he's won the overall at the Tour of Thailand. So um, he'll be he'll be one to watch. And then. Um, yeah, there's a, a couple of the other boys that have um been going pretty well recently, so hopefully um hopefully one of us can get up for, for the win.
0: Yeah, a few Queenslanders in the mix there with Ryan Kavanagh and Caden Groves. Um obviously they might be a bit better suited to the conditions up there. Um depending on depending on what it's like I mean it can be quite cold actually, um, doing the graft and doing well.
1: Yeah, I think the the conditions are gonna be opposite for them. It's I think it's meant to be... It's normally quite cold in the morning, so um, I, I, I'm not sure how many uh, Queenslanders are, are used to the cooler temperatures, but, yeah, I, I'd expect both of those two to be to be quite strong um, and both of them could, could win the race.
0: Yeah, we'll move on to a few other names now, and I'm just going to throw names at you at random. Um, ACA, I mean, they've brought mostly a youth team to this one, um, but Michael Potter, obviously strong form in Asia and winning the Tour de Chichigi, where he won two stages of that. I mean, he's got to be a, a guy to watch, um, especially with the way he's been climbing recently.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a great rider, uh, Michael Potter. I, I've ridden with him quite a bit in the past. He's uh, he's uh, He's got what it takes to, to go quite a long way in the sport, but a longer distance at the moment um T'chigi was was good for him it was uh, shorter stages just over 100 k in length where where he got up to win he's uh he's more of an unknown in 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 the in the longer races but he's he's got what it takes to win races like this uh definitely in the future
0: and he'll probably he'll definitely be the leader of that, out of that squad i mean cam scott's in there as well um toby orchard unfortunately broke his collarbone um at heffron you were mentioning uh, earlier, so yeah, I mean it's 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 definitely his squad out of that one.
1: Yeah, Toby um unfortunately touched down yesterday, but um he he uh, he'll he'll, he'll, ba- he'll bounce back from that. Yeah, I'd say um Cam Scott would be um again he's another unknown in um in our in the longer races. Um, but other than um that, I don't think uh, any of them will feature too prominently. Okay, we we've got to pick up the pace here now cuz we've been dawdling, but oh, no,
0: we should talk about Inform a bit. Um certainly with uh former winner Pat Lane, uh Raphael Freinstein and uh, Lionel Mordit, all very strong riders on that on that team there and yeah, a, a decent uh, squad to support them as how well. are how are they, they going to go? I mean, they've been aggressive at times in in NRS racing since they've stepped up.
1: Yeah, they they definitely have um Probably the, the definitely the strongest of the, the non long continental teams uh, in the race. Um, yeah, Ralph and uh, Pat, you know, they they both have what it takes to win a race like this. Um, it, it depends what sort of uh, form they're in coming into. Like, not there hasn't been a huge amount of racing so far this year, so not it it it's a bit of an unknown for everyone. Conor it he's um, been over racing in America for an American team in the last few weeks. He's been going quite well over there. Um, what, the race is six days away now, and he's still got one stage to go. Uh, if he is going to make it to the start line, you um you have to wonder what sort of condition. You, if he's uh, yeah, jumping straight on a plane after the Redlands Classic.
0: Yeah, we need to build like ergos into planes, don't we, for cyclists, just to keep the legs turning over and not getting too uh, stiff in your legs over a long plane for it.
1: Yeah, I think just even cycling aside, just being able to exercise on a plane would be uh, would be brilliant. But yeah, quite a few of the Mobius riders... um. Uh, got straight off a off, off a plane to race Grafton last year and that didn't turn out very well for him. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he pulls up if he does make the start line in Grafton.
0: A few, a few other teams that are going to be returning from jet-setting adventures um, are Mobius, as, as you mentioned. Um, they've got most of their young team here and it won't be those riders um, who have been over in America that are going to be returning. Um, but they've got Jesse Coyle, Angus Lyons...
1: Uh, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say so. I think Jesse Coyle's been training quite hard for this. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how they go. They don't have, like, uh, a proven sort of race winner in the lineup, but um, overall they've got a, a pretty strong squad across the board.
0: More teams overseas currently. Um, the Sri Lankan bunch of uh, Olivers and Team McDonald's are currently over there, and... From what it looks like, um, Oliver's had a decent uh, result overnight with Nick White taking third in the bunch sprint behind the two breakaways. So, Yeah, I mean, I think they would have preferred to be racing for first, but nonetheless, Nick White did a good job there. He's probably going to be their main man for them. And for McDonald's, I think we're talking like Cain Richards, Tom Coates, Nick Miller, who's been useful here in the
1: past. Yeah, yeah, I think Nick won... um a reduced uh, a reduced sprint um in the in sri lanka in which is what has basically become the the Vino Astana motors show as they've placed four in the top seven in uh, last night's stage but um yet i other i um, he he could be a be a issue in from memory last year he was uh he was quite strong in the finale of uh of the race so yeah another another team that might just sort of slip under the radar but could come away with uh, a result if uh if left for too long.
0: And moving on, we'll talk... Um, okay, random names. Give me your first three words that comes to your head. Uh, Cam Ivory.
1: Mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, he's, I mean, he's been going pretty well, actually, on the mountain bike recently. I saw uh, I saw some social media post of him winning a race recently, so he can't be going too bad. Uh, Jake Marriott, you said you raced against him in the past, um, Marcus. Strong and stupid. That's the AMR Renault rider there, um, an endorsement of sorts. Uh, who else we got? We got Brisbane uh, Continental team, and they've got you know Tom Robinson, who's probably better suited to Melbourne to Warnable than Grafton, but he's a strong rider. Ryan Thomas, who potential winner. I mean, I think about Ryan Thomas every time, but he hasn't taken that massive win yet that I think his talent almost uh, demands. And Michael Vink, who's joining that team as well for the moment.
1: Yeah, I think um, Ryan Thomas is—he's uh, uh, a local boy at Edinburgh uh, at as well, so he's going to be um, paying attention towards this one. I was going to say he might be the only local boy on the start list, but I don't actually—I know um, about that about that one. But um, yeah, Michael Wink's going to be super strong as well. So um, yeah, an- another team that um, uh, is definitely capable of uh, producing a result, but um, could could slip under the radar.
0: Yeah, no Sunderland's on the on the start this this year. That's a bit of a disappointment. And no Housler, I suppose, is the other inviolate rider I can name. Any any others that spring to mind? Moving on, and we've covered most of the riders we want to cover, except for a few of the individuals. And we've got Troy Herfoss no doubt, suiting up in his traditional black kit, and it's it's become quite familiar in races like this, races like nationals as well. He he doesn't mind um, going in for these long solo races just by himself.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, for the for the one day races, um, you, you can you can sort of get away with uh, not having a team as long as you've uh, got got some uh, someone to to feed you. So um, yeah, he'll just be able to to sit in and do his own thing. He's got a bit of a, a bit of speed at the end, and he's definitely got the um, endurance to feature it at the end. So of the individual riders, I'd definitely put him down as the most likely to to get a result with uh Peter Milostik the the most likely to get in the break and blow himself up.
0: Yeah, I remember last year Peter Milostik tried to solo over to the breakaway which was what at that stage about two and a half minutes. Um, up the road from the peloton, and he he made it about halfway over, and dropped us. Shing- I think he went past a few of the other guys who'd been dropped from the break, and uh, just left them behind. So he, he's still got plenty, still got plenty in those legs of his, and he's a bloody bloody strong rider. Uh, the other one I mentioned out there is Trevor Spencer. Is he a Swanny? Is he a is he a rider still? He's he used to be obviously incredibly talented climber, but um, at times he's had health problems and he's had operations on his legs, so. I mean, hopefully he's just back to um, enjoying himself on the bike and you know racing to a, a level that he you know showed that he could do before. We'll move on now to discuss selections that we think can win. Okay, I'll put you on the spot here, Marcus. Um, give us, give us one thi- one guy you think will be right up there for the win, and maybe a Smokey as well
1: uh Sam Chrome uh I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip as the, the most likely to win just cuz he's um quite difficult to to get rid of and he's very quick at the end and Smokey I'm going to go Cam Roberts from GPM as a very very dark horse
0: that's a, that's an incredibly dark horse there I mean he's a, he's a good rider but um I'm not I'm not sure in this in the sort of race we'll see him do that <laughs> oh, let's go for me. I'm going to go for Angus Lyons for my smoky. It's not super smoky, but um I'm a big fan of Lyons and the way he wrote at the Herald Sun tour in particular. And for the winner, I'll go Cyrus Monk because he has proven ability here in the past. He's on bloody good form at the moment, and he seems to always have a chip on his shoulder, Cyrus Monk, which is. Uh, one of the reasons he's so competitive, he he f- always feels like he's got something to prove and I think he will until he gets that World Tour spot that he so
1: greatly desires. Yeah, well, I suppose Jam- James Whelan's not there, so it's all him.
0: Well, James, unfortunately, uh, fractured his wrist doing, um, immediately after I chatted to him, actually. I had a chat to him after the uh, Tour of Flanders uh, victory that he took, which an amazing win. Um, and and then he promptly fell off at the Stair of ZLM tour which is apparently his first injury because he was saying to me that he's never crashed and hurt himself that badly so
1: i don't think that's the right race to start if you want to keep a record like that though i think uh, i think uh, you, 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 i think about a third of the field normally go down in in that race
0: yeah i was reading some of the the comments on twitter as well and they were they were just going off at the other riders in the peloton they were going off at organizers they're going off at everyone because it was I mean, there were crashes everywhere, apparently, on that race.
1: I'm sure there's a good YouTube highlights reel somewhere.
0: Yeah, we'll try and find that. Okay, that should be plenty from Grafton. I mean, we've been over most of what we think is going to happen and the big names, so we'll come back and we'll talk a bit about what's happening with uh, Aussies riding overseas. Welcome back, and we'll talk first to Amanda Spratt, who was obviously amazing at the Ardennes um I did an interview with her for SBS Cycling Central which is up on the website and I'm using the bits that didn't go into that interview for um this piece on the podcast here it's mostly uh, about the racing overseas and the bits that didn't go in I mean they're still good but (laughs) it was just making the whole interview a bit longer so come back and wrap up all the other Aussies doing well overseas what were your expectations coming in for this week? I mean, you, I know you um, at the start of the season you wanted to put a lot of emphasis on this period.
2: Yeah, um, definitely. Like, this is the key period that I kind of targeted for the first part of my season. Um, yeah, my expectations were that I wanted to be there in the finals and, and try to get a result in one of the races. Um, liege on Bastogne-Liège, was kind of the one I want, was hoping for the most. Um But yeah, it wasn't kind of smooth sailing leading up to it. Uh, I had a a foot injury and then I got the flu that seemed to be going around. So I missed about two weeks of training. So I really came into the week kind of, I think my expectations were maybe a little bit lower as I started the week because yeah, I felt like I was a bit underdone and I missed a lot of training. So I wasn't really sure how the form was going to be, to be honest. But in the end, I think I was probably a little bit fresher for the races and yeah, it was kind of a blessing in disguise in the end.
0: So is that maybe why you went a bit more attacking in the Amstel race? I mean, you were the first cab off the rank, essentially, for Mitchell and Scott there.
2: Yeah, not not really. Like, we, it was quite, yeah, it was already, like, 80 kilometres into the race when that break went. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and it was at the top of the climb. So we only had Annemiek and I there in, in the front group. So it was between the two of us to kind of start covering moves. And, and yeah, it happened right at the top of probably the hardest climb in the race, the Coytenbergs. I just saw a moment there and it was a really strong group and, yeah, I knew that we had to be represented in there and if Anna Meek moves, then the whole bunch is going to move, whereas I probably had a little bit more leeway in, in that first race in particular, so that's how I ended up in that break.
0: Mm. And then again on the attack in Flesh, where um, it, it was a more aggressive race than we've seen in the past. I mean, we've, in the past we've seen long-range moves from Anna van Breggen in particular, but maybe not quite that mm. um, sort, sort of escape.
2: No, and, like, it was a much... Yeah, it was a different course this year, so I think the final was a lot harder. We did sort of two two laps of the finish circuit this time, and after the Cote de Charave, which is the hard climb before the Mer, we only had, uh, I think there were 11 riders left in the race, yeah, with several riders dropped behind. Um, and they were just, once we got down to the flat before the Mer, there were a lot of attacks happening there, and Janek and Singh and I followed her and then next thing we knew we had Megan Garnier and Pauline Ferron Provo with us and it's such a, a strong group I actually thought we were going to be able to make it to the finish but they ended up uh, the group from behind became bigger and they ended up chasing us down but yeah again it was a perfect situation for us we had Adamique and I both there in that group so she could kind of rest and, and I was playing my cards at the front
0: What's that feeling going up the mo- um leading the way up the uh, up there and having you know everyone screaming at the top of their lungs?
2: Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's such a painful climb. It's Every mm. year I go there and I think it won't be as bad as what I remember and every year it just feels <laughs> steeper, actually. But, um, yeah, the crowd there is incredible. It's People are just screaming. It doesn't matter what nationality you are, what team. People are cheering for you. I think everyone kind of appreciates how hard and epic the climb is and they almost sort of push you to the top and you're just looking around every corner just waiting to see that finish banner.
0: Mm. And I must, I must admit, it must be hard to get overtaken in that situation where you're absolutely giving it your all and you see somebody go past you when you think you've got that, that chance of a win.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. I, think, um, I think I think survived about halfway up the mirror and then uh, Anna uh, and Ashley both passed me and Megan. And then, yeah, I was happy to see Anna Meek as well get past me. But, um, yeah, you do have that moment where you think, OK, the break's going to stay away. This is a great chance. And I was feeling really, really great in Flesh Alone as well. Um, and then, yeah, they just caught me in that, in that last part. By far, that's my best result in Flesh alone. I think I've, I don't even know if I've been in the top 20 before. So, yeah, I was, yeah, regardless, I was still happy with my ride there. Mm.
0: And finally, Liège, where you were, you were so, were so close, it appeared, to um, soloing off the front for the win there. And um, your aggressive tactics were paid um, quite a lot of praise by uh, Anna van der on the, after, in the post-race interview, she was um, saying how strong you were.
2: Yeah, no, that was nice. I did see that as well. And, yeah, Liège was, like I said before, that was the one that I really wanted to try and win to be to be there. And I think out of the three races, it probably suited me the most. Um, yeah, I just saw a moment at the top of this, the second last big climb. Um, there'd been a few attacks and, yeah, it kind of lulled and I just thought I'd try my luck there and I got a gap straight away. And, yeah, in the end only, um, Anna could come across to me at the top of the final climb. And, yeah, I was just, I mean, I was hoping to survive on her wheel I had anime behind so I didn't have to work and I knew that um um but yeah I guess she's the world number one for a reason she just went up that final climb and I just couldn't hold on to a wheel um I'd already done a lot of work out the front before so I think that yeah yeah I had that in the legs already but um yeah second place is behind Anna yeah it's a it's a great result for me and the team
0: and from here, where does it go? I mean, last year in the uh, Giro, you were very good as well. I mean, uh, were you fourth there or fifth there? Um, fifth overall. Fifth yep. overall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that that's the logical next step, I suppose. Is that is that where you're heading?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm headed. So I have a short, yeah, a week a week break now, I guess you can call it, and then um, to team camp in Valencia in Spain. And then I have um, a tour in the Basque Country um, straight off the back of that. And then everything's geared towards the Giro. Basically from here, everything's geared towards the Giro. So that's my next major goal is to turn up there in, in great form again and go for um, yeah, stage wins and also a good GC result. Uh, we have Annemiek there who can also do that and Lucy Kennedy as well. So I think we're going to have a really strong team there.
0: Yeah, I hope Lucy gets better actually. I, I saw her. She was in a nasty way after that crash.
2: Yeah, I know, but I think, yeah, we, she came and saw us uh, three days later and she's already talking about the Giro and getting back into it, so I think, yeah, it was a nasty crash and she'll be out for a little bit, yeah. but I think she's going to come back stronger and motivated, I think.
0: Cheers, thanks for your time, Ned. Okay,
2: thanks, Jamie. Bye. Norris, bye.
0: So we'll jump back in and talk about the women's racing overseas at the moment. Shannon Mousied, who took second at uh, the tour of Chongming Island, which is their World Tour event over in China there, and she managed to take second on GC after that Stage 2 breakaway, which is unusual for Chongming because normally it's just a sprinter's race, but um, yeah, she broke the mold there, and that's very much a Shannon Mousied's sort of result. Um, of course, another result from the women's is Grace Brown off to, um, off overseas with Wiggle High Five, and her first race will be the Tour of California. I know she's busting to get over there and uh, do well in that. Uh, she's one of the most talented, I think everyone knows that, uh, from Australia at the moment, and yeah, she's going to get the chance to prove it in a very hilly race. Of course, uh, Specialised uh, heading off to the Panorama Guizhou International Women's Road Cycling Race, which is a mouthful, um, but it's uh, a yeah, new race being set up over there in China and should be a good one for the for the NRS girls to have a go at. Um, Georgia Whitehouse is over there on the start list for them as well, the, the phenom from uh, Sydney Women's Uni Staminade team and... Hopefully they go well. I know nothing about this race. We'll be uh, keenly watching to see how they go coming out of there. Into White House are uh, Ellis Gamlin-Blore, uh, Kate Perry, Holly Harris, uh, Taryn Heather and Georgia Whitehouse. So hopefully they go well there. I mean, they've taken a, a good team over there. So we'll see the results that come back. We've talked a bit about Sri Lanka and how Team McDonald's and Oliver's have gone over there. Good for them. I mean, good to see a race over in Sri Lanka. I personally didn't know there were races in Sri Lanka um, at the moment. Last time I heard of about Sri Lanka, they were talking about all the steel bikes that they still ride over there. Um, because steel is real and people like that sort of stuff. Okay, so let's celebrate the results of Lionel Morton a bit. <laughs> Uh, over in over in the US he's uh taken third at the Joe Martin stage race, um which is yeah, it's I mean hotly contested amongst those um American teams over there. And now he's backed it up and he's sitting second at the moment at uh the Redlands uh classic there. Marcus, I mean, obviously it's a it's a fiercely competitive scene over in, in America. I mean and these sort of results are what you need to take if you're a young aspiring cyclist.
1: Uh yeah, it is. There's there's quite a lot of um teams contesting the, the racing in America and they don't have a lot of UCI tours so when they do have uh, their .2s, all the teams over there do take them very seriously so the fact that he's come away with um, I think a third on stage, one and eighth in the, the TT which was a, a hill TT by the way um, and third overall in Joe Martin and then um, yeah, it's, it's quite an impressive result as well, I think he won another race as well and um, which was non-UCI, but um, yeah, we'll see how we, um, he he uh, finishes off in um, uh, Redlands, which I think is the decisive stage, the final stage that we have uh, tomorrow morning, uh, our time when we're recording. Yeah, and Mobius have uh, been over there as well. They've done three races. They did Joe Martin as well um, as r- uh, Redlands and two of the Healer. So um, Alex Evans has uh, supplied a couple of good results for them. Uh, ben Carmen's been floating around the top as well. Uh, Peter Livingstone was in uh, the breakaway of the, the first contested stage of um, of uh, Redlands as they had to cancel the uphill time trial due to snow. And I believe last year uh, they had the the time trial down in the valley and the road was melting. So pick somewhere in the middle, I think.
0: Well, yeah, well, it sounds like it's the opposite of picking somewhere in the middle. It's a tale of two extremes. Um, yeah, Michael Rice as well, um, riding for... Um, Christ, and Hagens Berman there. Uh, took a stage of the Tour of the Gila, or Gila. Sorry, my Spanish pronunciation isn't perfect. But, you know, he's just continuing his, his strong form um, that we've seen over the past few seasons, and it's great to see him get an opportunity over there. Um, move along to Europe now, and uh, Ben are over there at the moment, uh, cruising along. They're getting a few results, but maybe not quite the standouts that we've seen from the last few seasons from him. From them. That said, they've still got the um, the Mont Blanc um, Tour race where they've you know catapulted names like Ben O'Connor um, into the world tour in the past. So I think they'll they've still got plenty of results to go. Um, Chris Harper's the uh, maybe the biggest name for them, Marcus, so far.
1: Yeah, he he's got to be the standout so far. Uh, he came uh, third on GC at the Tour Tour de Jura. Um, and he's just uh, come third on a stage of the Ronda Alps tour um on stage 3 so um yeah, he's uh, backed up quite nicely after taking uh, the win in the Oceana road race um and it'll be interesting to see how he um continues for the rest of their stint in Europe um i believe they're currently sitting 1 2 3 on the com classification uh, in the Ronda Alps tour which is um Interesting, you don't see uh, results like that super often, but they've got two more stages to hold on for.
0: Yeah, I mean, there isn't a podium to fill out for the for the KOM classification, is there? But, uh, <laughs> I mean, they've they got their bases covered, at least. Um, yeah, another significant result from Europe was uh, Robert Stannard um, taking a, the seventh stage, I think it was, of the Tour of Breton, um up there in northwestern France. And that's a that's a sort of race where we've seen a lot of young cyclists come through. I think um we've seen Lucas Hamilton, he took like maybe a few podiums there last year and those sort of I think I think Australian development teams have grown to quite like the tour of Breton.
1: Yeah, I mean I think we're gonna have to get used to um Rob Stannard winning uh winning races like that over in Europe. Um has uh, got a bright future ahead of him so um interesting to see how he develops, but yeah, I've been along with there as well. Um, they, uh, I think Stiel von Hoff got up for second on uh, the first stage, so um, yeah, they've been cruising along nicely.
0: Um, there's also a little race going on in Israel at the moment, um, though there's been a lot of conjecture about whether it should be in Israel, blah, 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 blah. Um, of course, we're talking about the Giro. It's going to be covered better elsewhere, but uh, might as well mention Rowan Dennison-Pink, um, now means that he's taken uh, leaders' jerseys in all three of the Grand Tours. The third Australian rider to do it, I think I saw as a stat um, on Twitter, third behind Cadell Evans and Brad McGee. So it helps if you're a decent time trialist to, to get yourself up into... Uh, up until the lead, and I think, um, and in this case, Rowan Dennis took a time split as well at the at one of the intermediate sprints. So, uh, good on him. We'll see him in pink for the next few days, presumably, and at least until they get to uh, Mount Etna. You would think, unless there's you know some sort of breakaway that wins.
1: Yeah, I think Campagnolo is going to continually uh, try to get in the breakaway, but uh, I can't see him. I can't see him pulling it off. So he could be uh, in with a jersey till yeah, stage six.
0: The real question is uh, whether it is time for him to become a GC contender, and I I believe that he can. I mean, I've never seen a guy so dedicated as Rowan, and that's what everyone talks about, Um, his dedication to training, how seriously he takes everything, and I think that sort of character will see him through. Obviously, it takes more than character, though. You have to have the right particular body composition and the right amount of uh, hemoglobin in your blood carrying oxygen to your your muscles, but um, is that is that is that bad science? I've I've got no idea, Marcus. Uh, so what are we so what are we talking about here? Are we expecting to
1: see a top ten uh, GC from Ron Dennis? It wouldn't surprise me. I think he, um, to be honest, I don't think he's going to win a Grand Tour in his career, but I think he can be up towards the top five or the podium in the future. This year, he could well be top ten in the Giro.
0: And Yeah, I think that's pretty much on the money. We'll move on... Well, I think... Actually, no, we'll probably finish up now. Yeah, we'll just keep things snappy going into Grafton to Inverell. Make sure you follow Breakdown Podcast. During the Grafton to Inverell, we'll be coming up with um, hopefully a few interviews before the race um, and live updates of what's happening during the race uh, with a bit of video, a bit of audio, whatever I can manage to get out because there's some pretty dodgy um, mobile coverage up there on the route. Apart from that, you can make sure that you tune into the cycling central podcast in the next few weeks as I'll be remaking a, an appearance on that um doing a bit of production work and uh you know making making sure that it's not entirely based down in Melbourne these days and letting those Frenchies get away with everything so That should just about do us. Thanks again to our sponsors, Out of the Rat Race Cycling Apparel. Make sure you go to their website, 00rr.com.au, and check out their um, ecologically sustainable kit. And that'll be bye from me.
1: And that's bye from uh, me as well. Thanks for having me back.
0: Always a pleasure, Marcus. Okay,
1: see ya.